And now, Dick Casey! This is Dick Tracy on the case of the poisonous timber. Stand by for action. Let's go, men. Yes, it's Dick Tracy, protector of law and order. We'll join Dick Tracy in just 70 seconds, gang. But first, did you know that today, December 16th, is the anniversary of one of the most famous parties in history? Well, not exactly a party, but... In the year 1773, 174 years ago today, the American colonists held the Boston Tea Party. We've all heard about it, of course. The reason for it was this. At that time, the colonies belonged to Great Britain, and the British government made the colonists pay a tax on just about everything they sent to America. The American merchants refused to buy unless the taxes were lifted, and they finally were lifted on everything but tea. So the colonists refused to permit any tea to be landed. But in November 1773, two ships loaded with tea were moored in Boston Harbor, and an attempt was made to get the tea ashore. On December 16th, 60 men disguised as Indians boarded the ships, tore open the hatches, and overboard went the tea, and that was the Boston Tea Party, a victory against taxation without representation. Under our present system of government, we Americans are assured that we'll never be taxed without having something to say about it. And now, Dick Tracy. Dick Tracy and Pat Patton are investigating the illegal cutting of Christmas trees, the sudden disappearance of the suspected forest green, and murder. Yesterday, together with Cutter Down, they carried the dead body of Pierre the Trapper from the snow-clad north woods into a makeshift cabin and notified the local sheriff of the killing. And then Dick Tracy and Pat Patton went to Mahogany's cabin to interrogate her in connection with the mysterious occurrences. Well, Mahogany protested Forrest Green's innocence and was making some pretty strong accusations concerning Cutter Down when suddenly Tracy said, Hold it, Pat. What is it, Dick? Somebody's coming. I just saw him break for cover across that patch of open snow. Better have your gun ready. Right. What are you fellas fixing to do, huh? Nothing serious. We just want to ask a few questions. Pat, you cover that side of the door. I'll watch this. All set. Here he comes. Lock the door and skedaddle, Forrest. Them two constables from the big cities here. After him, Pat. I can't open the door. It's locked. Yeah, and the windows were too small to squeeze through. Where's the key to open this door, Mrs. Hogany? Key? Well, let's see now. Where on earth is it? You know, I, I can't seem to rightly remember where I put the consign thing. Dick, shall I break the door down? No, never mind, Pat. He's probably out of sight by now, and it's certain we'd never catch him in these woods... He knows them like the palm of his oh, hand. Key, key. Now, where in thunderation did I put it? Oh, my. Mrs. Hogany. Oh, don't be so formal, young man. Just call me Ma Hogany like everybody else. All right, Ma. Would you mind sitting down for a few minutes? No, not at all, Sonny. Not at all. Well, what's on your mind? You know I could have you arrested, don't you? Uh, yep, I suppose you could at that, but uh, I don't know as that'd do you much good. 
I'm just an old lady trying to see that right and justice is done. I ain't a troublemaker by nature. But what I'm trying to tell you is that you can't set yourself up above the law. Hmm. There's others what's trying to. Well, I'm not very good at riddles. Who's trying to set himself up above the law? Shucks, sonny. Looks like as how there's a heap you don't know about. It looks like as how there's a heap that none of us knows about. That's right. I think this is as good a time as any to get the answers to a few questions. Sit down, boys. Go on, sit down. All right. Thanks. Now then, what do you want to know? First, why are you trying to protect Forrest Green? Because he's a good boy. Might hot-tempered, but still a good boy. Well, if that's so, why won't he come forward and tell his side of the story? Because it's his word against Cutter Downs. Cutter's got everything on his side. Just a minute. Are you trying to say that Cutter Down is deliberately trying to pin something on Forrest Green? <laughs> He's not trying to, Sonny. He's pinned it. Well, that all sounds kind of silly to me. After all, why would a big landowner like Cutter Down go to all the trouble and expense of trying to frame one of his own employees? Mm, I can answer that one by saying that Cutter ain't a big landowner. He ain't? Uh, I mean, isn't. Well, th these lumber holdings are enormous. <laughs> they sure are, Buster. They sure are. Only they ain't his'n. Well, whose'n are they? Mine. Yours? Yours! Yep. And when I die, they'll belong to Piney Woods. All right, officer. Put away that billy club. I'll go quietly. Now, let me get this straight. You say that all of this land belongs to you? Just as sure as you're a foot high. But what? But why does Cutter Down do the lumbering? He works this here land on a long-term lease. Oh, a long-term lease? Well, th that should bring you in an awful lot of money. Why, why, why... why do I live in a shack like this? Uh -huh. Well, $500 a year won't buy much better. $500 a year? Uh -huh. Oh, come now. A lease to all this land should bring a lot more than that. That's the spitting truth. But it don't. But how did you ever happen to sign a lease for such a small amount of money? I never signed it. My husband, poor old Beaver Hogany, he signed it. God rest his soul. But why? Well, tell you, it's like this. Beaver... He owned this here land for years. Got it from an engine. Well, he could never pay no taxes, and the state, they wanted to take it away. But Beaver, he just went gunning for the tax collectors, and so nobody never bothered to do nothing. You know, that's an interesting way to solve the tax problem. Yeah, trouble is, it ain't permanent. The state finally offered the land up for sale, and poor old Beaver, well, he figured as how he was up again it. And that's where Cutter Down come in. Oh, I see. He, he bought the land at auction, huh? You know, if you'd unplug your ears, you'd hear me say that Cutter never bought this land. Nope. He went to Beaver and offered to pay all the taxes if Beaver would lease him the land for 25 years. He told Beaver that they'd both be ahead that way. Beaver, he could still live here and get money on the lease, and Cutter, well, he didn't want nobody running the price up on him in an auction. I see, I see. And so Beaver accepted the offer. In a pig's eye, did. He said 500 was too low, and he'd like to throw Cutter into the creek. Yeah, but I patience, thought... Patience, son, patience. Cutter talked Beaver into going into the lumber business with him, and then he paid part of the taxes and talked the state into holding off the sale for a while. Then how did Beaver ever happen to sign the lease? Well, that I don't rightly know. A little while after they went into business, Beaver and Cutter went up to bust up a log jam on the North Fork, just above Smoky. North Fork? Mm -hmm. Say, isn't that where they had the jam this afternoon? Hey, yep, that's right. Uh, Beaver must have got a hold of a bad fuse or something because a whole box of dynamite went up in his face. First thing I knowed, Cutter come back and told me I was a widow and showed me the signed lease. 
Said Beaver changed his mind just before he went on that last trip. Was the lease witnessed? Yep, by Cutter's business manager, Owen Doe, and a lumberjack named Axe or something or other. Oh, the one who was killed in the jam this afternoon? The same. Well, anyways, I was glad to have even 500 a year then. I had to take care of my little granddaughter, Piney, being as how her parents had just died in the cabin fire. Yep, I lost my husband and my only daughter a week apart. Well, you certainly had a bad time of it. Mm, I'd have had it worse, but somehow Piney come through the fire alive. Yeah, she was five years old and wandering through the snow alone when a trapper found her, took her to his cabin. After she was strong enough, he brought her back here to me. Yep, we've always felt mighty grateful to that there trapper. Well, I should think you would. His name was Pierre. Oh, no. The, the one who... The same. Oh, Piney, she was broke up something terrible when she heard what happened. She's been out walking in the woods alone, trying to get over it. Now, is there anything else you young fellas would like to know? Not at the moment. I think you've been through enough for the time being. We'll be running along now. Well, any time you want to know anything, you know where I live. Thanks. But I think it's only fair to tell you that we're still out to catch Forrest Green. As long as he stays in hiding, he's a fugitive from justice. Well, he may be just that, but he's also still alive. So you two sprouts, have yourselves a good time and go looking for him. I got a lucky silver dollar, says you don't catch him. Well, if I were a betting man, I'd take that. Goodbye. Goodbye, boys. Oh, I just remembered where I left my key. <laughs> it's in my pocket. <laughs> you know, I wish I had that kind of a memory. Goodbye, Mrs. Hogan. Just call me Ma, son. Ma Hogany. All right, goodbye, Ma. Well, Richard, what do you think now? Pat, I'll, I'll be hanged if I know what to think. Mm. You know something? For once, your intuition was working overtime. There seems to be plenty about Cutter Down that could stand looking into. There certainly is. And yet, you know, Mahogany is an eccentric old woman. There's no telling how much truth there is in that story of hers. No, it can't be positive, but it sounded pretty straight. I know, I know it did, but you know how warped a mind can get when it starts to brood over a fancied injustice. Why, the most improbable things eventually get all mixed up with the truth. Well, yes, I know, but you were Don't the one... Don't wake up, Pat, and just keep acting natural, but we're being trailed. Trailed? By whom? I can't tell yet. Someone picked us up right after we came out of Mahogany's. First, I thought it was my imagination, but I've noticed him three times since. Well, if you've noticed him three times, that doesn't sound like the best shadowing I've ever heard of. I'm not so sure, Pat. It may be better than we think. Oh, now, look, Richard, please don't go off on a mysterious kick again. Go on, explain yourself. I've got a funny feeling that whoever it is wants us to see him. Wants us to... Well, what for? We'll soon know. Uh-uh. There he goes. Up toward the top of the ridge. Uh, oh, I, I see him now. A big fella in lumbering boots with a mackinaw turned up around his face. Uh-huh. There he goes into that little thicket. Okay, Pat, let's go. Up there, after him? But it may be a trap. I'm sure it is, but uh, as I've said before, you'll never know what a trap is unless you walk into it. So, they wrote in the obituary column, he was a gay, mad, impetuous lad. It's too bad he died young. Look, Richard, has it ever occurred to you that someday even I may not be able to save you? Frankly, it hasn't, Pat. I have complete faith in you. Oh, did our friend come out on the other side of that thicket? No, I don't think so. I also don't think I can climb any higher up this slope without jet propulsion. Oh, it's not so bad. Just straight up. Just keep thinking that Dick. the... Dick, let go!
In a moment, we'll return to Dick Tracy. But first... Have you ever wondered how come ABC's comic team, Abbott and Costello, worked together so smoothly? Well, you have only to look back to their early days in vaudeville. When they first began, vaudeville was in the condition where audiences had a habit of uh, interrupting the act in question, and if some act appeared that was not very good, the audience showed disapproval in, shall we say, tangible forms, such as throwing vegetables. Well, this experience taught Abbott and Costello that the comedy act had to be good, and their act had to be funny. And yet, for all their years of experience, Abbott and Costello are young in years. Their theatrical experiences began when they were both at tender ages. After touring every large city, plus the tank towns, Abbott and Costello landed in the big time, and from there went on to radio, where they delighted millions of listeners who liked their humor on the Abbott and Costello scale. Without fail, Abbott plays the straight man to Costello's clowning, and whenever possible, tries to make him the fall guy, which people eat up. Take your laughs the easy way by listening to the Abbott and Costello show which is on the air every Wednesday night on most ABC stations. And now, back to Dick Tracy. Dick! Dick, look out! Up the mountain! I see him. The giant fog rolling straight down on us. Are Dick Tracy and Pat Hatton all right? Or have they been caught in that landslide? Better be sure to tune in tomorrow for the adventures of Dick Tracy. Written for radio by John Ray and Everett S. Crosby. And this is George Gunn speaking. The various countries of the world may have a difficult time understanding each other's customs, but there's one thing that every nation understands about another. It's music. Great music. The kind the Boston Symphony Orchestra presents. This famous orchestra plays the music of all lands. The works of composers in America or Great Britain, in France, Germany, Russia, Poland, Italy, and Norway. Music has always played an important role in portraying the national life and culture of a nation. And so by hearing a country's finest music, one is better able to understand that particular land. So don't miss the Boston Symphony on the air tonight on most ABC stations. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company. <laughs>